Welcome to Culture Gooder, the podcast that takes you behind the shades at Gooder. Get it? Because we're a sunglasses brand? Never mind. Although it may seem like we slam margaritas all day, we don't. We work really hard on our culture, and each week we'll bring you a topic or guest that will show you how we got here and how we fucked up so you won't have to. Well, you'll still have to fuck up, but hopefully we can help you feel smarter. Here we go. Yo, greetings and salutations. Welcome to the Culture Gooder Podcast. I'm Stephen Lease, co-founder and chief executive octopus at Gooder, here with our chief relationship officer and my good friend, Sean Tinney. Sean, what are we talking about today? Today, we're going to be talking about how our culture helped us adapt and evolve in what we're calling the New World Order, which is important to me because we're doing this podcast so that we can help others by sharing our hard-won lessons, and we have had plenty of those recently. So this is our chance to talk through them while everything is still fresh. What about you? Yeah, we're uniquely qualified to work remotely. We worked really hard on autonomy, raising adults, holding people accountable, letting them fail and seeing them thrive. And it just so happens those are the traits that you need to run a successful remote team. And really excited to share how we got here because anyone can do this. Right. One of the first things that was just super obvious was the value of that work from home policy. We're three days a week working from home, two days a week in the office. Can you just talk through that whole policy for a bit, how it came to be? and then how it helped us immediately. Yeah. So I used to keep this Evernote when I had a corporate America job that was a list of things that I would do when I run my own company. It's kind of fantasy we, we all fall into. And on there were things like unlimited vacation, super liberal work from home policy, and a bunch of other stuff. And when Gooder became more than about seven people, we had to start making real like policies. It was a oh shit moment of, all right, it's your company. You're going to put your money where your mouth is. And the answer is yes. And figured out a, a system early on to let people work remote. And so we're a 40% in the office company, which means... In, in normal times, you have to be in the office Tuesdays and Thursdays. So Monday, Wednesday, and Friday are optional. And that just came about of people don't need to be coming in every day. It's really, really not that important. In fact, you get more done. We've all been in an office and we know what it's like and the shoulder tapping. And so at Gooder, we have our all staff meeting on Tuesday. So everybody's in there. Usually what you see is a lot of meetings on Tuesdays and Thursdays, a lot of connection. And then Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, most, I would say, 80% of the company works remote those three days, maybe higher. And a fun fact, the average LA commute is 56 minutes. So that's per day. And that's generous depending on where you live. If you only have to come to the office two days a week, you get 18 more work days back in your life. And that's not time gooder gets, that's time like every person here gets over the course of a year, which is pretty insane. And so, you know, I think, yeah, the two big things are the work from home and then we're gangster on Slack. You cannot send emails internally at Gooder. And <laughs> what happens if you do? Uh, well, if you send it to me, you just get a reply that's, I'm sorry, a Slack broken. <laughs> uh, and it's part of the onboarding. So it doesn't really happen anymore. But as we all have been part of email bog down and, and we do it for a couple of reasons. One, the transparency element, because every project, every event, every launch has its own Slack thread. And so Sean, if you and I are talking about something, we should be talking about it out in the open so that everybody knows what's going on. We don't have these closed door conversations. And two, it's just real time and it's how we can communicate during the day not having to be in the office and there's some crazy stat that average person spends two and a half hours per day on email my guess is 
we're reducing that by around 40% using Slack. And that's six more work weeks per year of productivity we get by doing that. <laughs> I'm feeling like a lot of time is all of a sudden freed up just by making a couple of shifts. Yeah, totally. And, and I mean, we're probably going to get into definitely next season, a bunch of obstacles because it's not just as easy as that. But I don't know, maybe it is just as easy as that. It's as easy as that. And then doing the hard work to not give up on it and to find creative solutions when you run into obstacles. Right. I really want to get into more about that list that you had from Corporate America that helped create some of the unique things we're doing here, but that's for another episode. <laughs> yeah, we probably do a whole episode on that. Right. Yeah. Meanwhile, one of the other things that we do just to make sure that everyone can work from home, right, is the autonomy project so that you can be at home or anywhere really and no one has to question whether or not you're getting your job done. So can you talk a little bit about that and AMP in general? Yeah. So we're going to go really deep into this in seasons to come, but if anybody's read Daniel Pink's book drive he talks about people care about three things autonomy mastery purpose and so we've designed our whole company from a employee standpoint from performance role expectations around this and so we named it amp so autonomy mastery purpose get it super clever <laughs> and so amp everybody has autonomy projects and hold it this way if you're on a team you work with people what are the one two three deliverables that person does weekly monthly quarterly that if you saw that and they were perfect, you felt great that you didn't need to see them at all. You knew they were doing their job. And so that's what everyone has here. Everyone has autonomy and autonomy isn't doing whatever you want. Autonomy is consistently showing to your brand, your flock leader and yourself that you're crushing it. So no one has to wonder what you do. And inside of that, every quarter we do quarterly reviews and it's just called AMP reviews. And so there's a panel, Sean and I, and two other people are on it. And the two people depend on the person that's their flock leader and another person they work with. And they walk through their AMP, their mastery, their purpose projects, and they give a self-evaluation. We evaluate them. And it's just really a quarterly review system, panel-based. And this last April is the first time we ever did it completely remote. Right. That was a weirdly smooth experience, just sitting there through all those meetings and having everyone walk us through all of their projects. It was almost like we were in person, except we were all on a screen. But what was your experience of our first all-remote quarterly reviews? Yeah. So, John, I know you've read the book Slight edge. And yeah. if for those you haven't, it's a great book, but slight edge kind of the premise is consistent, small gains add up to huge results in the end. And we started doing AMP quarterly reviews in July of 2017. So what is this? This is our, that this is our 11th time doing it. Mm -hmm. And we've adjusted every time we've changed the scoring system, self-evaluating all these little things. And what's really important is a year ago, we couldn't have done it remote. It would have, and especially in the high anxiety time that was COVID, because this was about three weeks in, it would have been really hard, but we've refined it so much. It's really, really running smoothly now. And so I thought it was awesome. And also, you know, you and I talked, it was really important to bring us back to some form of normal at the brand. And it would have been a really easy thing to cancel the quarterly reviews. But the reality was, we had to lead by example and put us into the new normal, you know, what we call the new world order. But yeah, I thought it went great. What'd you think? Yeah, agreed. We really did have it on the table there. We almost canceled it. The feeling at that time was like, man, there's just so much going on. It, it feels so heavy. Should we do this? And ultimately, I'm so glad that we did because that was another point of connection for everyone, including, like you said, you're in every single meeting. So every single person at Gooder got to hear direct feedback from you during a time of crisis. Yeah, it went really 
Lee really well. And it was a nice time to give a lot of people praise who worked their ass off to get us through the really rough time of COVID. So it was, in a lot of ways, a gift, the the timing of what it was. Yeah. And uh, I think also, this was the first time I sat through every single one. I've never done that before. And if we didn't make incremental changes and keep adapting, evolving it, there's no way I could have done that. It probably would have broke me from just an emotional standpoint. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. I think one of the biggest shifts was getting everyone to give each other more consistent feedback throughout the quarter so that there were no surprises in the actual review. I mean, I I don't know how many corporate America type reviews you've been in where it happens once a year and nobody can remember anything but the last two weeks and your whole year gets graded on that, right? Yeah. When I talked about raising adults at the beginning, this is what we mean. We give quarterly reviews and feedback and it's okay to give people critical feedback as often as needed. And what we're finding is you do it enough times that you have to keep doing it less and less because people are really getting it. They understand it. And it's really nice to be in a place where people can give and receive critical feedback. There's a lot of praise in the meetings too. You know, I don't want to make it seem like that. There's probably more praise than than critical (laughs) feedback. The the secret is, this is a secret, everybody. The, The critical feedback is done the months in between the reviews. If you do that, then the reviews are really good because people know where they stand. So that's a straight secret. Right. It's the slight edge again. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it was awesome. And back to us being uniquely qualified, right? We went right into 100% work from home because of all these things. We don't worry what people do. One of our colleagues told Sean and I this story about how their friend, the company went to working remote and they start every day by a 30 minute meeting asking what everybody's going to do. And they end every day with a 30 minute meeting asking what everybody did. And that is insane to me. Yeah. Remote micromanagement and a colossal waste of time. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So the reviews were great and surprisingly smooth and just a great way to stay connected with each other. There's a lot of other things that we did to stay connected too. We'll get into these in depth in our next episode, but remote Tuesdays with Carl, game nights, Thursday cheers, our normal quarterly gooder stock. There was a ton of other things, but just hearing that list and thinking about them, what stands out to you? Yeah, I think two things. One, just that we were already video chat pros where we use Google Hangouts, the whole Google suite, and it just made our ability to see each other. We did instantly and people know how to do it. So that's just one, but out of what you listed, Tuesdays with Carl. Tuesday with Carl is our weekly all staff meeting and legit everybody shares at it. Never goes over two hours, but still to have that. And we adapted it usually it's not in person. We adapted it to work in the new world order, but still having that as an anchoring point every week for people to see each other, know what's going on in the business. We share our weekly numbers. Also, if there's important information to disseminate around COVID and shelter in place, we're able to do that. And so that as an anchor probably was the best way that we've stayed connected. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. The shift that we made to meet with flocks as a smaller group before moving into the bigger group was pretty neat too. And I wonder if that'll stick around after all this is done. What do you think? Yeah, I've thought about that. So just so everybody knows, we have 12 different flocks. So at Gooder, we're very decentralized. We don't have like giant org pyramids. It's flat. And each flock, instead of having everybody share like normal, it's really hard to be like, swapping on and off mics that much in a meeting. So we have a 30-minute upfront meeting with just our flocks. A couple of flocks are pulled together and we share... I've thought about this recently. I mean, we're still a ways off from being back in person. 
I think we'll go back to a version of what we have been doing, but this will be the next evolution when the company gets too big to do the old version because I'm pretty focused on making sure we have an all-staff meeting where everybody's heard every week. doesn't matter how big we get. We'll have to adapt it. I don't know what that looks like at a thousand people, but yeah, I think, Sean, eventually this is what we'll have to do, a version of this. Yeah, so far so good. I mean, yeah, can uh, keep testing it. Speaking of the flocks, one of the things that you helped to lead the charge on was giving each flock a clear goal that they could focus on and then kind of pass that down to each person in the flock so that everyone knows, you know, if you've got time on your hands, here's what you can be doing with it. In GTD, getting things done, which we'll cover later, there's a someday maybe list. And it seems like that became pretty relevant all of a sudden. People had time on their hands. So what were some of the coolest things that came out of that extra time? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure everybody has different things. You know, we were already working on 2021 and had the framework for that, but we're completely shifting how we launch products in 2021. And because of this, because of the slowdown, we are able to really get ahead of that and create all these new templates for our launch decks, which is really, really exciting. We launched some new digital marketing campaigns that were kind of on the sidelines. And I asked the content team, since they can't be out shooting right now, borrowed some of the people from there and had them launch these campaigns that were really, really important to our business currently because of so much of our retail closed. We need to really be focusing on gutter.com. This podcast shift, you know, we were set to record season one, but this is really cool that we, you know, we get to do something completely different and live into our value of like done is better than perfect and being nimble. So yeah, those were a few. And I know everybody has their own. What were some of yours? Yeah. So let's see here. There were all kinds of ideas for virtual gutter stock that would never have happened, right? Yeah. Like even the talent show that we did that I hosted on the last day of it was, I don't know if we were planning to do a talent show, but no, no. So there you go. That's one. That was really fun for me. All of the photo challenges and trivia and game nights and things that just came out of, okay, we have no way to connect together in person. So what are we going to do about that? And just seeing everyone participate and really enjoy it. It was awesome to experience. Yeah. I think that the town show, for example, there's a lot of things, but that's something that I've thought about of, oh, you know what? At Gooderstock, Gooderstock's our all employees, our quarterly summit that we do we'll totally do, I don't know if we'll do it every time, but we will make that a normal thing because it was really, really fun. Yeah, it was super fun. I'm down to host again. So anytime we want to repeat, we can. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I just think the creativity that we've shown in this has been really, really cool. And you're super proud of everybody on our team for stepping up and leaning in. For sure. So let's shift gears for a minute here and talk about some of the other ways that we've adapted and evolved throughout this. Part of cultivating calm was giving everyone permission to feel their feelings. That is something that most companies try to leave out of the equation, but you intentionally brought them in. So why did you do that? Yeah. I mean, first not talking about them doesn't mean they go away. So yeah, like leaving out your feelings is kind of like not a great analogy, but it's almost like swimming with one arm where, you know, you're just going to kind of go in a circle. Mm -hmm. I want as much information as possible from everyone and acknowledging feelings is really, really important because a lot of the time when people aren't performing or they're performing great or bad, there's something behind that, right? 
they're not feeling valued. Maybe they're struggling at home. And so understanding feelings is really, really fucking important. I think that's number one. Also, especially when they're feelings that are perceived as bad. And I say perceived as bad because feelings are neither, emotions are neither good nor bad. They just are. Right. But acknowledging feelings like fear takes the power away when you stand in front of the company and say, hey, we're in COVID. I'm really scared. I don't quite know what to do. Here's what we're going to do. I just took fear's power. Like I just took it from it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really, really important for everyone to keep in mind. And then talking about feelings is usually the quickest way to understanding like the root of the problem. Right. Uh, one thing that you repeated pretty often was, I don't know what's going to happen, but I know what our plan is. I know what we're going to do. Right. Yeah. That included feelings and also forward motion. And I feel like that connected to, we normally share numbers and, you know, are transparent as transparent as possible, but connecting feelings to the transparency in general, sharing uh, numbers, budgets, targets. Why was that so important during this time? Yeah. So, you know, I would say that all the time of, I don't know what I should do. I don't know what the right thing is to do. I don't know what we should do, but I know what we can do. Mm -hmm. And so acknowledging that because it'd be really disingenuous to act like I knew what we should do. There's a lot of times I do know what we should do and I just don't right now. I, and, and so I think that breeds trust in everyone, just acknowledging that. And then if I want people to do the same to me and, and tell me when they don't know something, I got to lead by example. So there's that. Oh, yeah, 100%. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm guessing this probably was on your corporate America list. But one thing I think everyone's appreciated throughout all this is being spoken to like adults. This wasn't the first time that's happened. What shaped your approach to communicating so directly with everyone, no matter the topic? Yeah. You know, first, it's easier really being transparent, right? So if I never lie, I never have to remember what I said. Mm -hmm. and so think about that. That's that's really cool. <laughs> you know, if, if, the truth is really simple. Yeah, yeah. The truth is really simple. Also, you know, in the Brene Brown world of the marble jar, and for those of you who don't know, we use it a lot. I'll just explain it quickly. But all of us have a marble jar, and you know, when they do something to build trust, you put marbles in the jar. When when they do something that breaks the trust, they take it out. And your friends, you know, think about your friends and family who have marble jars that are full overflowing on the ground, right? You can take out a handful and it's fine. And in the context of Gooder, really important, I need everybody to trust me. And this just builds trust um, constantly. And so when you talk to people like adults, really you realize how smart people are when you treat them smart. Mm -hmm. That's a real thing. And it, yeah, so it's easier. You get a better result. And it's how I would like to be talked to. So then again, I guess I got to do it to other people. Yeah, right. One of the things in Dare to Lead there is that you can't summon trust by saying, trust me. It's something that's built over time. Yeah. And that's doing these things that are a part of our culture, being transparent, including feelings, just sharing the truth is something that does build trust over time. And we recognize that it, it is a long game so that when we get in a situation like this, you don't have to stand up there and say, trust me and have everyone roll their eyes. Yeah, exactly. And the goal, I guess, would be not to say, trust me, right? <laughs> if you have to say, trust me, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if I want to trust this person. <laughs> Why is he saying that? Uh, yeah. <laughs> that <seem> <laughs> yeah. It's almost when you go, you know, to be honest, and my thought is, were you not being honest before? <laughs> it's like one of those phrases that just it flows out naturally and then instantly piques your curiosity as to what were they talking about before yeah, yeah. trust me right well, well oh, okay why did you say that now, now i'm skeptical <laughs> yeah. 
So the other side of that coin is leaning into tough conversations to the point where we, we actually train people to handle tough, direct conversations during their onboarding. But that seems like something that I don't know to what extent it was a part of the original company culture, but as it has evolved, it's certainly changed the business, right? Yeah. But how do you think that's impacted things as we've grown? Yeah. Yeah. Like the idea of tough conversations, Mm -hmm. you know, it wasn't actually part of the original company culture. It wasn't omitted. It was something that we added later on. Actually, I think it stemmed from this. Sean and I have been friends for a long time. So before I was a gooder, I remember talking to you about when you were part owner of the good, what you and your partner did and about like your partner meeting. And so Sean's like, oh, we did a partner meeting. Here's the format. And we did this thing called the clearing exercise. Mm-hmm. And the clearing exercise, I love just the jargon. We need like a fucking right? <laughs> people. But it's just, it's basically training wheels to have a tough conversation. And so... Ben and I started doing that weekly and we pioneered it and then realized like, oh, we should be doing this unilaterally. And so then rolled it out to everyone and it became just part of the culture. And and you realize a lot of things, right? Like this whole, the fight's never about the fight. The fight's about three things before Mm -hmm. the fight. And if you give people the tools to like consistently have tough conversations and you normalize tough conversations, you remove things like fighting, not conflict, conflict always exists. That's fool's goal to think you can get rid of conflict, but you can get rid of fighting, you know, get rid of gossip. We don't allow gossip. We don't tolerate small talk. Venting is just another word for gossip. So this is stuff we really work hard on to have these tough conversations. And the key to it is, you know, Bernard Brown will talk about like clear as kind. And what that means is clear as kind, because if I'm avoiding tough conversation with Sean, I'm doing that to save myself of short-term fear and discomfort. I'm actually not doing him a service. And so that's unkind. And so being clear with him is very kind. And, you know, I guess it goes back to the the transparency and the not lying. If you're always honest with people about their performing, how they made you feel, then they trust you when you tell them they're doing an amazing job, right? Because it works both ways. Yeah, that's so true. And if we're interacting with each other and you're holding something against me, I can probably tell, right? And I'm going to tell myself a lot of stories about that. I'm going to suffer because of that. But you can spare me that by saying, hey, I need to clear this with you. And we can just touch briefly on the format for a clearing exercise for those who don't know. There's four parts. Facts, feelings, owning your role in whatever the situation is and what you want to see change moving forward. And then once you share those things, the other person who's listening simply repeats them back to you. So it's a shared strategy for everyone at the company. If I say, hey, I need to clear something with you. You know, we're not doing some Scientology e-meter thing. It's just a cue to say, I've thought something through on your behalf, really for both of us, because I respect you and I want to have a good relationship with you. So here are the facts, which it's so funny how most of us think of facts as a one thing, but it's really just our opinion kind of tangled up with facts, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll do a full episode on clearing and yeah, but it's very right. I mean, until I started doing this, I was mixed up facts and feelings. And now when I'm talking to somebody, all I can hear is Mm -hmm. facts versus feelings. And then you share your facts, you share your feelings too, and you own them rather than saying like, you made me feel this way. I felt this. So it's my feeling. I own it. I'm not trying to put it on you. And then I own my role so that it's not a 
just blame sesh. And then there's some forward motion that's positive, And that allows everyone to approach something that would normally be difficult in a skillful way and then move forward and, and clear it out and just gets rid of, like you said, back channeling and gossip and the normal political stuff. Yeah. And then it's, it's amazing how better you feel about it. Even when people clear with you. I mean, I love when people clear with me. It just clears the air. It's wonderful. Right. It builds more connection, more trust. And that's a part of everything we've talked about here, right? Is the slight edge of building trust and connection over time so that when you really really need it. It's already there. It's not something that you summon with a uh, words yeah. like, trust me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, going back to us being uniquely qualified to take on working remotely full time, when you have all these tools in place and everybody has a, a toolbox full of different things, it's easier and you trust people and you don't have to look over their shoulder every moment of every day because you should know that I'm going to talk to you about something. If you're doing something that's outside of our company values, then you're going to hear about it. And if you're not hearing anything, you're doing a great job and you shouldn't have to wonder. Exactly. It allows people to relax and focus on the task at hand rather than worrying even more than they normally would have, right? Yeah. I mean, if you treat people like adults, they'll act like adults. If you treat people like children, they'll act like children. <laughs> yeah. So true. All right. So let's get into the lightning round here. You ready? I am. All right. First question. Most important internal meeting at Gooder? TWC, hands down. Our weekly staff meeting, TWC. Cool. Proudest moment in all of the ways we found to connect with each other? Man, I mean, there's several. I would say probably the amount of one-off slacks I've gotten, just like private DMs about how we've been handling COVID and how just how everyone feels like heard and listened to. Yeah, so that this isn't, this is, I'm getting out of the lightning round. Messages I've got from people <laughs> about how they still feel connected to the brand even through this time. And I want to remind everybody, we had 16 new people start in February. And so like in the middle of our onboarding month, this had to happen. And so to hear that from those people is incredible. Yeah. Amazing. What's one thing you want to do over on? I want to order my Peloton sooner. <laughs> Same here, man. I'm four weeks out at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hands down. That's the number one. Yep. Yep. All right. What's the biggest win in all of this? Oh, we've just elevated our game just unilaterally and so much that we're doing. And it's like palpable. It's pretty cool. Yeah, totally. And finally, one thing that you're most excited about. Oh, to see people again in person? <laughs> people. Yeah. Yes. For sure. <laughs> that, top of the list. <laughs> okay. Cool. All right. On to Circle Bar. And actually, before we go there, what is Circle Bar? Yeah. So Circle Bar is this amazing bar. It's on Main Street, Santa Monica. It's basically around the border between Santa Monica and Venice. And I used to live by there, but pretty much after every Gooder Summit, you know, Gooder Stock event, we'll end up at Circle Bar to kind of finish the night. And so Circle Bar, it holds a special place in our hearts and it's usually centered around celebration. And so, yeah, we named a pair of glasses after it and just love that place. <laughs> Perfect. All right. So now is your chance to uh, bring up something we didn't get to bring up or take another swipe at an answer from today. So, you know, I think the one thing I didn't talk about is we're really hardcore into making decks. And so we we make slide presentations, so PowerPoint, presentation, decks, all the same thing. We just heard them as decks. But we make decks for every product. Every project has a deck. And since we use Google Slides, we can share them. And you imagine from a work remote standpoint, the ability to always have all of our projects in one place. So we can always be talking about the same thing together. Really, it's an easy thing to overlook, but I think it's probably at the top of the list of why we are uniquely qualified to go in working remotely because we're all on the same page. We know what's going on at every project every time because of the importance we've put on decks from like onboarding on it's a 
part of our culture and we share them. And yeah, that's been a really huge part. Yeah. <laughs> I just took a note to uh, get a Google sponsorship for this podcast because <laughs> you basically right. just gave them a free one. <laughs> cool. So what's your advice for someone who wants to follow a similar path? So I guess two things. One is treat people like adults and a lot like adults. And so you just have to message, repeat that. And inside that is done's better than perfect. If you want to go 60% remote as soon as this is all over, do it. Let people fail, including yourself. Fuck it up. It's not going to be perfect, but just learn from it and keep it going because in the long run, it's going to create a company where people love what they do, love their lives, and it's going to pay off way more than micromanaging ever could. So yeah, that's definitely from an advice standpoint. What's your advice? Nice. Yeah, just to double down on that, when a company is approaching their employees from the perspective that the employees are taking from them or trying to take something from them, it's just fostering disengagement and a lack of trust, but to flip it around and give support and resources to your employees, it brings engagement and a feeling of camaraderie and teamwork. So I think that's something that we've done a really good job of just recruiting everyone's best efforts because we're not thinking of them as takers, right? Yeah. But we're all a team of givers. Yeah. Yeah. So before I get us out of here, you got uh, some next actions for people who are inspired by any of this? Yeah. These aren't going to be easy. So just know that. Start with a transparency practice. <laughs> just that's hard, but you need to start with that because to do this, you have to be really transparent to get people off of email and get them on a Slack or I don't know what's who Slack competitor is, but Slack's the best. So use them. So Sean put them on the sponsor <laughs> list. Slack's amazing. Yep. That's two. And roll that into the transparency because when you have Slack threads for teams and projects and you encourage conversation in the open, you're not hiding things and everybody knows what's going on and part of the conversation. So that store transparency practice, get everybody off of email onto Slack. And just to be clear, we use email for external factors like we have to, but that's external communication, not internal start teaching people how to have tough conversations. Look up the clearing exercise. We'll have stuff about it in the show notes. And then if you have a company with managers, ask each of your managers or team leaders what, for each person on their team, what would you need to see, you know, weekly, monthly, daily to push your team out of the nest and know they're flying. And that's what you do. You you ask for those things and you assume positive intent. Assuming positive intent is huge and a big part of trust. Yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, thank you so much, Stephen. And thanks everybody for listening. Join us next time. We're going to be covering all the ways we've stayed connected with our team and customers during COVID in depth. Until then, be excellent to each other. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening. Send us your questions, learn more, and find episode resources at gooder.com slash culture. If you enjoyed yourself today, we would be so grateful if you could please leave us your star rating and review. That minute and a half of your time, it really does help people find us. And don't forget to share us on your stories, tell your friends, tell your parents, tell your dog, or maybe your dog isn't into this kind of thing, and that's fine too. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at culturegooder and Steven at Steven Lease. That's Steven with a PH because those V people are not trustworthy. Culture Gooder is produced by our in-house Gooder team. The show is co-hosted and written by Sean Tinney and Stephen Lease. Edited by Teresa Garcia. Shelby Farrell runs the blog and social media channels. Maya Morales does PR and promotion. That sweet tune you're hearing right now was created by Mike Eddy of Cucumber Fuzz. Recording by Barrett Bowman. And this voice you're listening to is Carrie Blunt. Many thanks to the entire team at Gooder, really, without whom there obviously would be nothing to podcast about. At Gooder, we exist to give you the permission to be unabashedly yourself, unless you're an asshole. So don't be. 
Till next time. 